This is Coda Radio, episode 319 for July 30th, 2018. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and its related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine, powerful sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. Yes, me? Oh, thanks for asking. My name is Chris, but who we really care about is that wise, perhaps maybe a little messy with food all over his belly right now, Michael Dominic. I don't know why. I just feel like maybe that's how you look right now, Mr. Dominic. You know, when you're sick, you just don't take care of yourself, you know? Let me tell you something. I have a theory. You got the tissue sticking out of the nose. It's just a mess. It's a horrible mess. <laughs> that's what happens when you get kids. It's just like, you know, the, the, you know, you've learned in school that the plague was started by rats, right, in ships to Europe. I think it was just one two-year-old yeah. decimated the continent. Yeah, he went to school. And he got all of the other two-year-olds sick, or preschool as it may be when it comes to a two-year-old. He got all the other two-year-olds sick, and then they bring it home, and they infect the workforce, and they inflict society with mass non-productivity. Not that I get, not that I get worked up. And uh, It's like the germs mutate into just, super germs. I just can't even. I have two sick kids right now, and it's summertime. And I mentally, like when, when it starts to get nice out, I actually think to myself, ah, oh, now we're going to have a break from them getting sick. And two of them are sick. You know what? That's exactly what happened to me. Lulled into a false sense of security. Well, I can tell you are in prime form today. This is going to be, uh, yeah, this is going to be Great. a good one. You know what? Actually, in kind of a way, it's perfect because if we would have done the show last week, it would have been mid-hype cycle around that whole MacBook Pro throttling thermal limit stuff, yeah. which we have now, which I'm sure we would have gotten wrapped up in. You know us. I mean, right, come on. Come on. Let's, I mean, we probably would have been pragmatist about it, but we would have probably been ribbing Apple and giving them a hard time a little bit. And it's still actually, actually, maybe we should talk about it a little bit because it's still it's actually still not a valid choice. Yeah, it's still <laughs> not a solved situation completely, but everybody probably doesn't need to recap it super quick. Um, you know, the new MacBook Pros came out and you can get an i9 version that's got all the cores, like six cores in that, which is just fantastic for a laptop. But a lot of people noticed under certain workloads, especially sustained ones, uh, like say handbrake, a sustained like thirty minute encode with with handbrake, which would be a which would be a fairly common workload for me. Um, that would start to see pretty significant throttling as the temperature of the CPU cores would go up, and people really jumped on this, kind of assuming, well, this is this is it right here. Apple didn't build these things for these modern Intel CPUs that didn't get as small as everyone thought they were going to. And they're hitting the thermal limits just like they did in the trash can. And they've, de they've designed themselves into a thermal corner again. And everybody dogpiled. And YouTube really got in on this one. That's, that was an interesting aspect to get this controversy once again is what a big role YouTube played in spreading the hype. Um, and it turned out that a, quote, digital key was missing from the firmware that shipped with the MacBook Pro. Uh, and so they issued a supplemental update to macOS High Sierra, and that supplemental update has this digital key, which I deconstruct that to mean that they had probably a file that gets loaded dynamically at boot time that wasn't properly signed. Yeah, so it's a deployment problem. 
It was a, it was it, it literally came down to what they tested wasn't what they deployed in production. That's exactly. that was actually and only this time it was something it was code that shipped on physical hardware. Right. And and before we start you know just taking a bite of this juicy burger here. It's an apple um, actually. I, I don't know if you Oh, fair point. Yeah. I love the irony that Apple, who forces everybody to do pain-in-the-ass code signing, is like, well, you should just know how to do it for oh, user security, good, right? gets tripped up on code signing. Woohoo! You know, to be fair, I wouldn't be too surprised if it was maybe an Intel thing. Maybe Intel didn't properly sign something. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe Intel has to sign something for the CPU to load it, and they got to, I don't know, who knows? Yeah, yeah. I mean, It's all a binary be- blob uh, mystery machine to us. It's a binary blob. It is. So, so don't, don't order the i7 sausage? Is that what you're telling me? I won't name... The person, but I had a conversation with an employee at Dell who said uh, the new XPSs were designed with thermal throttling in mind. Oh, well, I'm not sure if it was the XPSs; it might have been the Precision. There is a new Precision workstation where, in the past, a, col- a core design goal was no thermal throttling. Like you could you could ramp up the GPU and the CPU. In this case, it was a Xeon CPU, a laptop Xeon. You could ramp them both up. Full blast, and in theory, they would not reach thermal limits in this laptop. Now, it's a big, thick laptop, big 17-inch, big, thick laptop. And they did the market research, and they looked at the sales numbers, and they determined that there is more sales in a thinner, smaller laptop that still has a lot of that performance, but if you push all of the subsystems together, it will begin to thermal throttle. Yeah. And Dell just looked at the data and said, that's the decision we're making with these future laptops. So now the model I have is the one one previous model. It's a big it's a big sucker. It was a ten thousand dollar laptop that I have been using as a testing an extended testing machine. And I'll tell you, my favorite feature is that it doesn't thermal throttle, that I have a big portable laptop that I can throw massive encoding jobs at, and it never throttles. And I, I feel like, once again, the market is saying, really, there's not much of a demand for you anymore. And so the mass adopt, the mass market is just really moving on. And I guess, I guess maybe that's to be expected. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised. But that's the statement I'm getting here is not that Apple's made a mistake, is that the market doesn't care because I've talked to another vendor just on a, you know, an off-the-record chat, and that was the messaging I got, is that they did the yeah. research. Yeah, it, it seems like so. There, so there's a few things. I, I don't know if you recall, Chris. My MacBook Pro crashed because of what I suspected were thermal issues. Recently, like between shows, right? Like between you got shows, a, right? Yeah. We had a week. We had a, we missed a week, and you know, I went to the Genius Bar, and that went not well. So a few days later, I call Apple, um, and they they were actually kind enough. They even though I was just out of warranty, they gave me a uh, replacement. Which nice. I guess they had a refurb or something. Really? Wait, what? Yeah, they That's... just gave it to me. I, you know, I was a little annoyed. I said, you know, I went to the Genius Bar and they wouldn't even look it out without me paying for a diagnostic. And I said, how could I have broken it? It literally won't turn on. I didn't drop it. There's no damage. But they said, you know, because it, would, it was it was like a week out of warranty. I mean, it was one of those like yeah. stupid situations. Mm-hmm. So, see, I said something positive about Apple. You know, I'll say yeah. this too when I when they did that yeah. um, when they did that recall for the MacBook Pros, where the video cards, you know, it happened many times, but yeah. the ATI video cards uh, went went kerpunk. I brought mine in, which was way after warranty, but they did like an extended thing, and they replaced the motherboard, and then they threw in a new battery too, for free. Yeah, yeah. And so I got back a machine with a brand new CPU, GPU, motherboard, all new, all new wireless, all new parts. The only thing that was still used was the screen and the keyboard, which were fine, and a new battery. We turned that around and we sold that 
to the community on eBay, I think, and bought Linux hardware with that. Like it was a it was a completely usable machine all over again, and it cost me nothing other than my time to go down there and exchange and give it to them. There you go. So there are good things here. There are good things, but so one thing that you know I've been struggling with. One, I broke two laptops in two weeks because I'm awesome. We're I don't even know how to yeah. say this. We're old. Yeah, and, well, right? and we also used computers in a time where it was just a niche market, and now it's a mass consumer market. But know? I think we even use them in a different way. Yeah, of course we do, yeah. So, like, the idea that I have, like, I have right now, for reasons we'll talk about in 320, this replacement MacBook, uh, MacBook Pro, hooked to an Apple LG display and a Dell 27-inch uh <laughs> So, Apple LG. I know what you mean. That's just a funny. You word. know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's the LG that you can't plug it into anything else. And I have a laptop running two monitors with an AMD graphics card. Before we got on the air, I had a Q Creator open, which we should talk about in three twenty two, and like twenty tabs on Firefox, Chrome, and I think I even had something at developer.apple.com in Safari because I needed some kind of one of my certificates. Hmm. And it just occurred to me, like. I'm hammering this thing, yeah, right? Like, right? I, I, yep. I, like, I opened system information. Like, I'm using all the RAM. A CPU was, like, idling around, like, 70-something percent, basically. Because if you think about it, I'm, I'm doing something in Qt, so I'm running the application. I have a, a debugger attached to it. I think I had music or YouTube or something on in the background. And I have roughly infinite Chrome tabs and Firefox tabs. Plus any messaging application. Right, and my wife's sending me messages on iMessage, and I have Slack open. Yeah. I have 14,000 instances of Chromium because everything's an Electron app. Yep. And I'm doing this all on a laptop, and I keep having these problems. Long-time listener of the show will know. Am I just wrong? Right? Like, it, should these devices not be used in that manner? I think maybe you have a little bit of bad luck, too. But uh, I, I look at this, and I think to myself, I'm going to become less and less... Um, empowered to make purchases like there's going to be less and less hardware that applies to my particular work case and i think that's where you're particularly at too and i i you know we had a we had a note in here to chat about uh how what about people coming to their defense and you know i've thought about it but I, I think i'm here to actually defend them to a degree and that is just that this isn't hardware for users that really want to push their systems a lot and I think there's a there's an elephant in the room that we have to come back to from time to time. And, you know, it's funny because we we're going to make this episode all about software. And here we are talking about hardware. You can't beat a desktop system. Oh, the Mac Pro. No, no. Like, you know, like just a tower. I mean, it, it, the Mac, you know, maybe they'll make one. But like a, a tower PC with 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 plenty of thermal ceiling, plenty of cooling, even if it's not like outrageously done, even if it's just a standard air cooled PC. It has so much more performance potential. Um, I just really, I just really question if we've really just gone astray by being so focused on laptops. I I appreciate portability as much as the next guy. I really do, especially when I'm traveling. I really grok that. You know, it's the recent flying has made me rethink any future laptops. I don't think I'll be getting a laptop larger than 14 inches from here on out, and things to that degree. Like I I totally appreciate that, but. In my workflow, there's never going to be a situation where the laptop is my only machine. And I know that's true for a lot of you out there. And so I got to I gotta rethink this a little bit and think to myself, maybe I need to have a certain level of expectation for portable hardware. Like I'm, I'm looking at new hardware myself, not a MacBook, but I'm looking at new hardware myself. I'm re-questioning I'm re assumptions I've had for a long time. Like, do I need a 4K screen? Can I really get away 
with a 1080p screen where I don't have to fuss with settings as much and perhaps battery life is a little better. And there's just small things like that that I'm considering now and with the mindset of I'll always have a desk with a pretty powerful PC. You know, I update my PC every few years. I'm not like religious about it, uh, but I generally try to build a pretty decent one or buy one that's pretty decent and then just use it, the hell out of it, uh, for, for years. And then I still find them to be much, much faster. Like a desktop PC, I find to be, like say a three-year-old desktop PC, I would put that up against a three-year-old laptop any day of the week. And, and oh, sure. Of course, right? Yeah. Of course. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? That tells you everything right there, that these machines are better built for these types of workloads. They have higher thermal capacities. They have more I.O. capabilities. They have more PCI Express lanes, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I was previously using, uh, you know, my Optiplex running POP, and now I'm actually using it as a flight simulator. We could talk about that more. That's a lot of fun. Oh, interesting. Yeah, wow. something for, for a project I'm doing, but and I have, I have like a trigger hooked up to it and everything. Very really? Gun. Really? Yeah. So, it, but it's not dedicated to doing that, and the reason it's the only thing with a good enough graphics card that I have. <laughs> I love but it. But, you know what? I think you're absolutely right. Like, guys like us, Chris, we just have to... I, it's not worth it. And if you think about the, the, the like design of a laptop, I mean internal design, not like aesthetics, of course they're going to fail more, right? You have all this heat right next to the screen. You have a keyboards that are increasingly becoming thinner and thinner. You have crazy throttling limits, right? You, and then you know what? You can't update them anymore. I mean, I know some vendors will sell you a laptop that you can open up, but even then you usually can only like pop in another stick of RAM. Where a desktop, hey, if, you know, my Dell doing the flight simulator, if I decide that it's just not good enough, yeah. I can open it up, spend maybe four or $500 and get a really nice NVIDIA card. Yeah. I'm having some weird graphics rendering issue on this recording machine where parts of the UI, like the menus and title bars, aren't rendering properly. I don't know what I would do if this was a laptop. I mean, I, I think I would start to just assume I'm having board issues. But with this, I'm right. pretty much thinking I'll probably pop out that $90 NVIDIA card that I popped in there a year ago. And go to Best Buy and get another $90 NVIDIA card and pop it in. And it'll probably take care of my graphics issue and I won't even have to touch the drivers. Like it'll just be pop one thing in, pop another thing out. And that is what I need from my systems is that, is that kind of work. You know, that's a different I, – I was having a conversation with a, a person who's in the trades and he's like, man, if, if I had a screwdriver that wasn't working for me, like it wouldn't even be a question. I would just immediately replace that sucker. Immediately. We get kind of caught up in it and as like, because, you know, they're part toys too for some of us, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's not what we came here to talk about today. No, in fact, uh, (laughs) not at all. Uh, We probably just robbed from Peter to pay Paul a little bit, but it had happened in between episodes. So uh, let's, uh, let's maybe, uh, let's maybe move on here for a second. So I'll, I'll take a moment and I'll thank Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Linuxacademy.com slash coders is where you go to sign up for a free seven day trial and support the show. It's a platform to learn more about Linux and all the things that run Linux, including all of the big services now like AWS and Azure. Speaking of Azure, we'll have a link in the show notes. Linux Academy has an opening right now for a training architect on Azure, and it's a remote position. It's something to think about. You'd be creating full-length online self-paced Azure curriculum, which is an area that they already have rolled out a ton of content around and plan to roll out a lot more, including um, a lot of community stuff like uh, potentials for being on podcasts or blogging and things like that. So it's a pretty it's a pretty fun position. So if there's somebody in the Azure space in our audience 
and wants to go to Linux Academy and help train more people up on that platform, uh, there's a job opening, which we'll have a link in the show notes at coder.show slash 319. But Linux Academy is a training platform for everyone. If you want to learn something about the essentials of Linux, or you want to learn how to work with block storage, Linux Academy has courseware on that. And they have different levels where you can jump right in on something if you just need to refresh your skill sets, or you can start from the very beginning and, and work your all the way and work all the way up. They also have courseware to get you ready for certifications and to prepare you for new tracks in IT. So get started by going to linuxacademy.com slash coders. That's linuxacademy.com slash coders, and you can sign up for a free seven-day trial, and you support this here show. linuxacademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio a program. Mr. Dominic, we have async to talk about today, but perhaps I should A-wait. <laughs> oh, oh. oh. Oh, I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. You know, like if I couldn't be a cheese from time to time, what's my motivation for sitting down down in front of this big microphone in this mixer, right? I mean, Literally nothing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we often like to say how much we just we just really like all Microsoft technology. Oh, sure. yeah. I got it. Did big you thing. did you see my uh, Sache tattoo I got? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> More importantly, where is the Sache tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> Is that perhaps a uh, Nadella stamp? I'll have Can to show you that? in private sometime. Yeah, yeah Nadella stamp. <laughs> okay, all right. Somebody title right. that. Somebody title that. That'll the get Nadella some stamp. I think that's a <laughs> so, the Nadella stamp. The Nadella stamp. Oh, this went off the rails. Um, from time to time, I like to do these little. I call them Pallet Town posts. They're basically like pseudo Cody introduction to a programming concept. Of course, the comments and replies I get on Twitter are like, "Hey, you missed uh, the syntax, isn't right?" Of course, it's not not meant to be. On async await, and, and the reason is, I keep hearing about async await. It's not necessarily new. Um, it, it was originated in the C-sharp.net world. That's why uh, Chris got his Nadella stamp. Basically, it solves a pretty pretty big problem, uh, asynchronous programming. Simply put, you have a, let's give you a real-world scenario. And this is going to be like a totally contrived example. You are building a Nadella stamp app. And you need to pull different pictures of Satya Nadella off the internet to, you know, let the customer pick which Nadella stamp they want. Sure. Well, you don't want to lock up your entire your entire UI while you download those images, right? Mm. That makes sense. So you would do a threat, right? Traditionally, what we would do is like, you know, pull. I'm going to do an Objective C, right? NS thread, thread, blah blah blah. Later on, you might do a block uh, URL connection. I forgot what the exact API is, but it's like perform operation in background. But then you get things where you're doing like callback delegates, right? You might, the old school Cocoa way would be like, um, operation did finish, success, bool, yes, no, and then you have to handle it. Another way would be to use a C block where it's literally effectively like a JavaScript callback from a practical point of view. Um, though that's not technically correct, but that's how, from a developer sitting at a keyboard uh, point of view, that's what it is. Sure. But then some geniuses thought the code for my Nadella stamp app is just a little too too complicated. Ah, here's what I'll do: async await. What that lets you do is your code instead of having like nested callbacks or delegate patterns, it just looks like linear code. So you would have like a method, you know, in that method you might have search for you know await search for Nadella await download selected Nadella pick, and this and this is where it's cool. By using uh, in .NET, they use a task object. Effectively, the CLR and the and the system itself just like 
writes a bunch of code for you to attempt to optimize that backgrounding and that uh, oh. asynchronous pattern. Hmm. This is one of the those things that if you ever go to a developer meetup and you hear the C-sharp guys bragging, this is probably what they're bragging about. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, because you know it's it's actually pretty cool, right? Like, it, it might, yeah. read the article I wrote. My explanation's a little sloppy, but the the other big thing is it's so popular that like other languages are adopting it. Uh, ECMAScript, which I insist on calling ECMAScript mm. because I because mm-hmm. I've infected it. you. It's my fault. I've infected me with yeah. the ECMA. Yeah, with the Zamarian. Uh, oh. <laughs> so async await does indeed work on Zamarin or and Zamarian if you're Chris. <laughs> Uh, it, it's coming into ECMAScript. It's in a bunch of other languages now. I think it could be coming to Swift. I heard a little birdie got in my ear and was like, Swift may adopt it too. It's mm. pretty... Now, I'm kind of of two minds on it. It's super cool, and I I also don't like having like nested callbacks because that's an anti-pattern, and you know that may or may not be a sign that you've done things wrong anyway. Um, oh, it's also in type, TypeScript, as Micah68 in the chat says. That's correct. Uh. There is something deeply frightening to me about how, like, if you use it heavily, how much of your application is just basically being rewritten by the CLR. I don't know. I, I feel like I don't want to put on my old man hat, Chris, and be like, oh, write your own code. But it's, there are cases, like, if you get into, in fact, uh, one of the Reddit comments uh, to the article I posted was I do a very naive example of it using, I think, like, Charmander or attacking some other Pokemon. And it's an admittedly super naive implementation. Um, and it turns out one of the Redditors, because, you know, Reddit is the place where people understand subtlety and, like, you know, this is just an example, don't pick it apart, correctly pointed out that in those types of naive implementations, these, the generated code can can get weird mm. um, in a couple ways. Like, it will do what you want it to do, but it may indeed not be as performant as, like, just writing a callback or well, sure. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Shocker. Although if, yeah, it, it, it's it's one of those things, it, it's very it's very magical. So it's good. I think like if you are a like new developer and you also have a Nadella stamp and you're working in .NET, certainly this is a, a pattern, async away that you you must know. This is pretty, pretty strong on that side of the street. But don't, like I, I've personally reviewed some code that's like, I'm going to async await everything. <laughs> But everything, the app takes forever to load. So, yeah. Hmm. I like your post. Again, it's in the notes at coder.show slash 319. I mean, you get me with the Pokemon, and then I can't help but read it. So yes, That's why I do that. Pretty clever. Just for you, Chris. Pretty, pretty clever. Also, uh, some posts to MSDN. M, uh, that's easy for me to say. MSDN's write-up on async. Async away, yep. Yes, yes, very nice, very nice share. Very nice. Uh, is that been the result of some late-night experimentation? New projects? Uh, any? Yeah, as usual, I started a project in .NET that didn't want to work in Windows. And uh, maybe we save that for uh, ah, the second okay. episode. All right, I get that. I like it. Okay, well then I'll take a moment and thank DigitalOcean, do.co slash coder. No S. If you go to do.co slash coder, you get a $100 credit for 60 days. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Could you imagine when you could, I mean, just think about the days when you and I used to order up servers and racks. And now, and now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Now, now you can get $100 in credit, do.co slash coder. Go there. It's a simple and scalable platform with industry-leading price to performance, predictable costs, 
clear billing, and a bunch of great systems to pick from. My favorite is three cents an hour. You get two CPUs, 80 gigabytes of SSD storage, three terabytes of transfer, four gigs of RAM. Everything, every system, every box is using enterprise-grade SSDs. You have data centers all over the world, 40 gigabit hypervisor connections, cloud firewalls that you can configure to block traffic at the network level, an easy-to-use API that's well-documented at tons of libraries and code you can take advantage of right now, you can build on top of or just deploy apps that have already been created. And they have easy DNS and SSH key management and team management, which is a super nice feature of DigitalOcean. And all of it, you can try to see how simple it is and how nice their dashboard is for 60 days with a $100 credit when you go to do.co slash coder. Bed, bed, no, build, build better web apps. Again, something's wrong with the mouth today. You can build better web apps faster with DigitalOcean. And I say that because we went from a, hey, this is something we should do recently to an idea that's fully in production and a site that the site that is online and the community is using right now. Uh, it's it's awesome. Get Jupiter. Check it out. GetJupiter.com. Uh, it's a new site running right now that went from idea to full production because DigitalOcean is so straightforward to work with. Their tools are so intuitive and the team management stuff works really well. And that kind of thing, at least when you're a constrained business like we are, that kind of thing makes all of the difference. So check it out, do.co slash coder. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. do.co slash coder. So I've decided this is not, this is kind of along the tools uh, and uh, things that we use to work. I've decided to reduce friction with traveling. I'm going to go for TSA PreCheck which I've kind of been morally against because I'm a curmudgeon, but I've decided to do it. You know, so they have this process where you like, you affirm who you are online and then you book a thing and I have to go in and like do an interview and prove who I am with my documents and stuff, my baby papers and whatnot. But I just figured, you know, like make travel a little bit easier and reduce the friction to going to events and stuff because I hate the security. Have you yeah. thought about doing this? It's, it seems like it's a, I'm, seems like I'm it's a pretty good system. Con- yeah, I'm strongly considering it because I travel enough now that it's like... Yeah, you do. It's only it's 85 bucks and it's good for five years. So even if you only travel a few times a year, I feel like it's pretty much worth it because you, you, you go through a different line, which is much shorter, usually no more than 10 minutes, they say. Uh, you don't have to take off your shoes. You don't have to take your laptop out of your bag or your tablets. You don't have to do that kind of stuff, which I'm all about. Because I, yeah. I, I know this sounds really stupid, but I stress out to the point where like my hands get sweaty and I, I feel like I have, I'm having a very, very, very mild anxiety attack about the possibility that for some reason I won't get through security or something I value will get stopped or lost or misplaced because I've got microphones and XLR cables and USB cables and multiple laptops and a switch and like all this stuff that uh, and you know obviously my phone and my wallet and my watch and all of these things and the stuff my keys that I'm I'm taking out of my bags and putting in these bins and I'm using like three or four bins and I feel like a jackass and and they're and you know they they have like requirements like things have to be flat and stuff so like I have to use multiple bins right and that's still uh, it's just very stressful because then you get on the other side and it's a race to put everything back together and put your shoes back on yeah I hate that part it's like you're getting dressed I mean you know you know how I've I've actually lost my driver's license in Orlando Airport twice already oh man and the one time I never got it back I had to like then go to the DMV and be like I am who I say I am can we see your license well that's why I'm here <laughs> yeah see I think this is this is like not like it's not like it's gonna I don't think I would have ever had a huge issue 
but the it reduces the possibility of an issue, which reduces my anxiety about traveling, which reduces the friction of traveling, which makes me more likely to go places via plane instead of only via RV. You know what I mean? Which means I, I more places are more economically reachable for me is kind of what my thinking is. So we'll see because then I can fly into a place, be an event, be there and then fly back for the weekend, you know, by the, you know, and be back home by the weekend is my hope. So we'll see. We'll, uh, we'll see what, I'll see how this TSA thing works. That's what I'm doing after the show today is I'm going down there and trying to prove who I am. Please, please believe me. <laughs> so we we'll pretend to be Chris Fisher. That wasn't though. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. Right. Come on. Yeah. I'd love, I'd love to know what people's like uh, gear travel tips are and hacks. I'll give you what I've done so far. So here's my existing travel hacks. I don't suggest these is I'm going to do the TSA pre-check, obviously just mentioned that. But the other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to work with a few hotels that are on a couple of frequent routes that I take out of Washington and see about leaving a bag there. So I don't have to pack a bag frequently when I'm traveling to certain frequent destinations. And uh, so I, I, and I've, I've, I've gotten the okay by one hotel so far. I haven't talked to the other hotel, but so my, and it's just basics, you know, like clothing that's appropriate for that area, toothpaste, toothbrush, shampoo, stuff that you can't really fly with because they're, you know, the liquid container restrictions like that stuff and, a, and an outfit to wear or is in a bag stored in a hotel room. And, you know, it's like a $20 bag from Walmart. So it's not and it's like the clothes are all cheap, too. But I got it while I was there and, you know, and I just realized, OK, this is the kind of clothing that works best for this area. So that's so that's plan one and two is P- TSA pre-check and then a couple of key locations. I might stash a bag or like at Noah's office, maybe I stash a bag, you know, things like that. Um, so I'm curious what other people's tips are for traveling with some gear and laptops. I'm trying to do the one bag, no check, one bag, backpack, walk on the plane, just the essentials, coder.show slash contact. Let me know what your tips and tricks are for when you're traveling for work or for whatever, and you have to bring your equipment that really matters to you. Like you can't do your job if anything happens to that equipment. I'd love to know your tips, tricks, and hacks show slash contact. But Mr. Dominic, we should probably make it a short show because you are sick and need to go to bed and rest. And I have to go prove to the TSA that I really am at Chris LAS. So what do you say? Uh, any words of wisdom, things to leave the folks with before we get out of here? Well, don't tell them you know me and Putin at the TSA. That's all I got. No, I won't. Yeah, I won't. I won't be mentioning that or the fact that you're hiding Ed Snowden down there in Florida. That will not be coming up. Is there any uh, any Twitter URLs you'd like me to give out to the TSA or maybe the audience? Uh, at, follow me on Twitter at Dumanoko. The TSA can join the IRS. A lot of fun. <laughs> that's creepy. Uh, that, you know what? That's good advice. You can follow me too at Chris LES. The whole network is at Jupiter Signal. Our live times, like if we're doing a double or something like that, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. And our IRC room is irc.geekshed.net. And again, that website is coder.show. Thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Coder Radio Program. I hope you join us for next week's episode. You can get your subscribe links over at coder.show slash subscribe. And if we don't see you in the next couple of days, keep an eye out. There may be a show. You'll definitely see one next week.